Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast. Today we have Hamish Hughes joining us. Uh, Hamish is a long-time angel investor and has been advising companies for many years in terms of how to access funding and raise capital. Hamish, uh, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Now, the conversation today we want to talk about is obviously points of access of funding and how uh, if may organisations may or businesses may or founders may have an idea or a concept that they're developing or about to uh, from a technical perspective, but then they look at, all right, what do I do now? How do I set my company up to be eligible to even talk to VCs, angel investors? What do I need uh, to be in my pipeline or actually actioned from my perspective as well as what are the, what are the options for me and what is the pipeline of investments? So I just want to have that chat to you about that today. Sure. Probably. I would say a bit before that is mm-hmm. if they think they can just get investment because they've got yes. a great idea. How do you sort of help them qualify that before they even... Th- and then where can they go to look at everything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Hamish, before we get into that conversation, tell us a bit about who you are, what you're up to, and um, some of the help that you offer to businesses and um, ventures. Yeah, sure. So um, I've been in and around the startup world uh, for about 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of fell backwards into it uh, straight out of university. I, I sort of li- literally almost by accident um, ended up with a job um, with the federal government um, overseeing a portfolio of what were effectively venture investments that the um, Howard government made. Okay. Um, and, and so I was a you know, wet behind the ears 23-year-old who suddenly got handed responsibility for about $20 million worth of taxpayers' investments into companies and sort of said, oh, you, you look after these, we don't really know what we're doing. Interesting. Um, so it was, a, it was a real trial by fire. I definitely uh, yeah. you know, learned by failing. There's, there's no question of that. Um, um, so I did that for, for a couple of years, saw um, where some of the opportunities and pitfalls and weaknesses um, of the overall sector were. I, you know, I did that for a couple of years. Um, I, uh, I, I learned where, where sort of some of the strengths and weaknesses of the sector were, um, mm-hmm. particularly in those days um, in the, the post uh, dot com bust um, era, where where really no one in Australia was interested in venture. Um, okay. I then wor- went and worked overseas for a few years. Came back um, in two thousand and eleven mm-hmm. um, at at the peak of the mining boom when when um, no one in their right mind wanted to talk anything about tech. Um, mm-hmm. So of course naturally I set myself up to to start investing into tech and advising tech companies. Okay. Um, was told by everyone that I was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, then a couple of years later, started getting people calling me up, going, "Oh, so so about this whole thing of investing in tech companies? Um, tell tell us about how to do that." Because yeah, okay. <laughs> somehow digging rocks out of the ground isn't looking quite as exciting anymore. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, in terms of um, what sort of in terms of your initial starting point, working in that venture through the government, what were you looking at? Was it tech-based stuff, or was it other stuff as well? It was a little bit of everything. Um, there was quite a there was. Uh, I'd say at that era, it was probably about 30% pure tech, okay. um, 50% biotech, um, mm-hmm. and, and about 20% sort of miscellaneous other technologies. So, so a lot of industrial technology and manufacturing stuff and, and so on. Okay. Um, I, I realized pretty quickly that I have absolutely no aptitude whatsoever for biotech. Okay. Um, so I, 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 I steer clear of that area because I really yeah. can't add any value. and. And it's it, if tech investing is, is like trying to find diamonds in the rough, then biotech investing is, is basically like trying to hit the Powerball multiple times in a row. Okay. 
Very interesting. Uh, yeah, trying so, to make the diamond. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so I, I generally steer clear. Yeah, get it. So, um, and you mentioned quite a bit of learning from that. Clearly, mm-hmm. so we was it more um, back in there was that investment from a government sort of funding granting for what position or how was that structured? So at the time, the government had a program um, which was called. They had a couple. One was called commercial ready. One was called early stage commercialization. Okay. Um, and they were basically helping companies that had done, had gotten to sort of prototype phase or, or, or basic product phase and, and needed help to, to go, go from there to do the R&D. Okay. Um, and so they were doing a matching program where if you said, you know, if you could come up with a project and said, look, I need, you know, $3 million to, to you know, do the next 12 months of business plan. If you could find a million five in funding, the government would give you the rest. Okay. Uh, and then and then basically the government wouldn't take an equity stake but would take a sort of an oversight role mm-hmm. um, and in in the, the most important um, goal of the program was to keep IP in, in Australia for a longer period of time because at, at, at that point what used to happen is anything that had a decent idea would just get sold overseas really early in the game okay um, and and therefore not generate value for Australia, value for Australia. Yeah, I mean the, the the real proof in the pudding was that while I was there and, and this doesn't have anything to do with me personally but but um, the uh, they did a one of the big consulting firms did an analysis of the program and worked out that it was returning seven dollars for every dollar spent for the Australian economy um, which as far return. as I yeah, know definitely. is still the well, record for any program ever done by the Australian government <laughs> what, um, which of course meant the that time? when the next government came in they they yeah. cancelled the program because you know it wasn't their idea and therefore you know shouldn't shouldn't be used but that's that's, that's the nature of politics. Politics. Yes. yes goodness me. so, so well, in, you know, in terms of your role there were you working directly with the organizations the businesses is that what, what your role was yeah so, so effectively the, the way the government structured its money it was um you know you'd be approved for for an amount of you know some money let's say a million dollars mm-hmm. over over two years or, or whatever yes. wh- whatever the length of the project was um and effectively that'd be that'd be uh, handed out in quarterly installments okay. uh, based on budgets and progress and things like that so so really what i was doing was uh, was acting as a as an oversight and working uh-huh. with the companies to say okay you know what have you done in the last three months how's it going where where's the project mm-hmm. going what do we need to amend um uh, you know very often as is, as is often the case with tech, the companies have come back and say, well, you know, we started out doing this and then we've worked out that we need to pivot. And, and so I'd work yes. with them on, on with, within the limitations of what the government would allow um, uh-huh. on their ability to pivot and, and amend the programs to, to or the projects to make sure they were going in the right directions and, and so on. Yeah, very interesting. This is that twenty-three. How you're there? A couple of years you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. Good thrown into the deep end and access. Oh, for sure. How many? For yeah, sure. how many companies did you work with at that time? Um, I had about a dozen companies okay. in in the portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it it was a it was between fifteen and twenty million dollars of government yes. money. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think the biggest investment I was overseeing was about four mil, uh-huh. um, and then there was everything down to sort of two hundred and fifty, three hundred k. Okay, I'm still nothing to sneeze at. No, for sure. Decent sizing investments and yeah, yeah and partic- particularly startups. in those days, um, you know, took nearly yeah. you know 15, 15, 18 years ago. Um, uh-huh. That was mm-hmm. yeah, the idea of a company getting a, a four million dollar um, investment round that wasn't publicly listed was just you know, almost unheard of. Yeah, exactly. So, 
it's a great experience there. Then you moved into, you went overseas for a bit. Was that in the similar vein or is it a different area that you moved into? Uh, I bounced around a bit, um, sort, of, sort of broadened the horizons as it were. Um, so I worked in politics for a while, um, worked in management, did some management and strategy consulting. Uh-huh. Um, went went and, and went to graduate school and then came back and, and sort of look really then re-examined the Australian uh, market, having done some work in the UK um, yes. in the VC industry there um, and some projects w- over there and saw, you know, h- how much more advanced they were, let alone obviously the Americans. Um, and uh, and then came back and had a look here at, at how um, uh, underdeveloped the Australian sector was okay. um, and, and so decided to, to get involved here. So that was in 2011 you started here, correct? Yep. yep. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more. I'm so who do you generally work with? So it's tech companies. What sort of what sort of position are they in? Are they early stage? Have they been funded? Where do you come in the conversation? It it really depends. Um, I you know I, I often say to people the Australian ecosystem is small enough that you sort of have to be a generalist. Okay. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's not like America where you can sort of say I only do companies between X size and Y size and yes. in Z sector and and so on. Um, more more often than not. Um, because of the fact that I'm not operating, you know, as part of a big massive institutional fund or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not dealing with um, late stage companies. So I'm, I'm not dealing with with you know your companies that are saying, oh, we need to go out and raise fifty, a hundred, two hundred million dollars. Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, I'd say I, I have I, I'm in in terms of deal flow, in terms in terms of stuff that's coming into my pipeline. It's anything from people calling me up and saying, look, can I buy you a cup of coffee because I've got a really cool idea for a business Uh, through to, hey, I've been operating for two, three years. This is where we're at. This is the product we've got. This is the early stage progress. Um, We need we need to raise capital to take it to the next level. Can you help us? Okay, so it's a variety. Yeah. And so in in terms of if you want to quantify it in dollar terms, um, it's anything from the company saying we need our first you know, two to 500,000 of sort yep. of really, really sort of seed funding mm-hmm. um, through to companies saying we want to raise, um, you know, five, maybe eight to 10 million um, okay. in sort of A or, or late A um, kind of raise. So there's okay. a wide gamut there. Yeah. And, and ultimately that's the, you know, one of the reasons I operate, I do operate in that space is that is the hardest um, space for in which for companies to raise money uh in in australia it's relatively easy most people or or many people um can raise that first sort of 100 200 grand um you know your friends and family rounds and yes and all that um once you're really established then there's plenty of avenues to go and get um your institutional funding but in between is the valley of death valley of death yeah getting through that is not that easy so you raise your first 100 200 grand and then what do I do now exactly right. that. so yeah. not generating any revenue what do I do after that so exactly right yeah in terms of exploring this journey should we start at the fact of let's let's begin I've got an idea let's have that chat with Hamish what do I need what of what do I need to get to my first hundred two hundred thousand dollar raise and then we'll go through the journey of now I'm at my two hundred thousand raise spent that money what do I do next I think we'll go through that conversation more as a structured approach taking people on that journey of what it looks like yeah sure so I'm starting out, I come to Hamish. Hamish, I've got this brilliant idea, tech space, um, 
maybe I'm a domain expert in a particular area and I'm trying to solve a problem that I see could add some value to some significant people. What mm -hmm. should I be doing to maybe document this idea to start prepping to get my first round? Okay, so the, f the first thing that you're, you're going to want to spend some time putting together, and, and this really applies to, to all businesses that are trying to raise money, is, uh, is a pitch deck. Okay. Uh, so, so first of all, don't make the mistake that some companies do of, of going and putting together a 50-page written business plan, uh -huh. um, 50 or more. I mean, 50 is on the light yeah. side of some of the ones that I've seen. Okay. Um, like, don't, don't bother with that. Um, okay. it, it's, Why do you say that? There's two reasons. One is as an investor. I mean, if, if you want to use it for your own internal uh -huh. discipline purposes, that's one thing. But as an investor, okay. first of all, I'm not going to read it because okay. I don't have time to read you know, a 50-page document uh -huh. um, for every company that is pitching me. Second, secondly, yeah. if you're super early stage, 90% mm -hmm. of what's in there is guesswork. Uh, true. And, yes, and nothing's been so, validated. So, so putting, you know, for me to read guesses that are based on guesses on guesses on guesses, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's fantasy. Uh, it, it's like when I see early stage companies that, that start showing me five and seven year financial projections. Yes. <laughs> anything beyond 12 months, you're guessing, Every, anything beyond three years is is a pure work of fiction. Yep. Um, and even three years, you know, for early stage, you know, is, is it, it's, you're literally hypothesizing on top of hypothesis. Um, so it, it's largely pointless. Yeah, um, I agree with that. So, so, so for super early stage, you know, I, I like to say, I generally say to people, the slide deck should be no more than sort of a maximum of 15 slides, preferably less. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and effectively you're walking and you're saying, you know, what is the problem? How big is the problem? You know, in other words, as an investor, why do you care? Because, uh -huh. you know, you could be solving a problem that three people have, at which point it's great, but it's not investable. Get it. Yeah. Um, what, what is my solution? Mm -hmm. How am I different to anything else that's already out there? Yeah. Um, how will I actually make money for, for you as the investors out of this? Okay. Um, and then, you know, who, who am I? What is the team? Uh, and, and then finally, you know, what is, the, what is the ask? You know, how much do I need? How much am I asking you for? What, what am I giving you in return? It's okay. That, that's, that's a really sort of back of the envelope um, layout, but, but that's more or less what you, what you need to, to cover. So do you need to sort of indicate what you're going to use that money for in that pitch deck as well? Um, to a degree. Um, you know, when, when you're doing super early stage um, and you're not raising huge amounts of money, uh, by, by all means, you can put a use of funds in, but don't don't get super granular. You know, I'm not, no one cares whether you're spending $45 on a printer cartridge or $48. Um, <laughs> it, it's more, hey, I'm raising 200 grand, um, 50 grand is going into dev work, 50 grand is going into, you know, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's more to give a sense that you've had to think about it yep. uh, more than anything else. And, and the... The, the dirty little secret, particularly with early, with very early stage investing, um, is for the most part, as an investor, what you're doing is you're betting on the team. You're betting on the people. So the people, the team are your focus. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big believer, and, I, and I've learned this through, through painful trial and error, um, that uh, an A-grade team with a B-grade product yep. will absolutely obliterate the opposite every time. Okay. So, so, and, and, and the result of which is I've, I've developed a few sort of sets of 
of sort of broad general rules for myself mm-hmm. uh, for my own investing around around teams okay and and founders and so on um, and and sort of more sort of red flags of things that I won't invest in mm-hmm. um, you know the, the number one of those being sol- solo founders won't invest in solo I won't I won't invest in solo founders I've been burned too many times doing it okay okay um, and 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 I've I've worked out over the years that there's sort of two reasons for that. Um, mm-hmm. One is that obviously if you have a solo founder, it's a critical point of failure. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I had a company um, that I um, led a quite a large investment syndicate into, uh, sort mm-hmm. of, you know, several million dollars. Okay. Um, and the it turned out that the uh, founder was bipolar. Ah, oh. okay. Un, and undiagnosed and, and uh-huh. untreated. Yes. Um, and he, what he ended up doing was blowing up the company because he was lying to his own board. Uh, so, yes. so he was making claims in, in, about about customers and contracts and things that um, turned out to be fanciful. And so the, the the company ended up going to the wall because the board was you know he was providing financial reports to the board that weren't real. Oh, actually, lying about financial reports. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Um, right. And it, and it wasn't he, he wasn't malicious. He was just yes. you know. Um, you know, he was unwell. Yeah, um, okay. And and um, yeah, so so things things like that can happen. The the other reason for um, that I that I don't like to invest in solar founders is to me, uh, I, I'm I'm of the view that it's pretty much impossible to build a company of any size by yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore a big part of of successfully building um, a company is your ability to to attract talent, to attract and retain. And the first step of that is being able to find co-founders, as far as I'm concerned. So okay. would it be an advisory board or something like that? Or is it more co-founders, co-founders. in the, the core yeah. team? Pe- people who want to work with you. Okay. Yeah. Who want to be on this mission, solve exactly. this problem, exactly. and add the value. Yeah. Because advisory, board, I mean, advisory boards are great, but at the end of the day, most people who are on advisory boards, they're busy, they're doing their own thing, and yep. you know, maybe they're talking to you once a month or twice a month, but they're not uh-huh. in the guts of the business. Yes. Yeah, they just did as a sounding board every now and then. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think we've had a conversation um, around advisory boards and how to build one. Um, I, I'd like to learn more about if I am a solo founder, what should I be doing? Should I be looking to fill in the gaps that I'm not aware of within this marketplace? Where would I start? So I might not be... So we're talking to non-techs really mm-hmm. building tech and have a problem that they need to solve mm-hmm. with technology. Would you recommend them looking for a technical co-founder? Um, maybe someone... Yeah, ideally. I mean, obviously it depends a little bit on the yeah. on the, the business or the, or the product uh-huh. that you're looking to build. But but ideally, yes, yes a balance of skills. So, balance of skills, you know, yep. if... if you have a founding team and it's five techies um, and yes. you're building a, a, you know, a B2C product. That's a problem. That's going to be a problem. Right? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> or vice versa. If, if you've got yeah. a founding team that, that's five guys from the advertising industry uh-huh. um, and they're saying, we're going to build this software platform um, that, uh, that, you know, su- supplies our industry. Yes. I'm going to go, cool, who's going to build it? Mm. Um, okay. and, and just... Uh, in entirely outsourcing it, um, the, the build. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer that you can outsource the initial stages of, of tech building. Okay. Um, so, so and I know that's that's part of the model that you guys work with, and I, I think that's, yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, sort of prototype. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that, that is very functional, but I think at a certain point of the company growth, you have to be able to bring yes. things in house. 
Um, yeah, you need to control the direction of the product. Yeah, and, 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 and ultimately, you also yeah. need to you need to have people on the inside who are fluent enough. Mm. Uh, even if they can't build it themselves, they can understand how it's built. Understand. Yep. Um, yep. And and I see a lot of um, you know what I refer to as the as the uh, the, the midlife crisis entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, which is the forty something you know bank executive slash um, industry exec. Um, you know, sort of mid to senior management. Crisis, I like it. Yeah, mid to senior management. You know, who, yeah. who call me up and say, oh, "I've got," you know, I've been in the insurance industry for twenty five years, and there's this uh-huh. massive gap in the market, and I've, you know, I've got the killer idea to to solve it, and it's going to be a hundred million dollar business. You know, mm-hmm. can we get a coffee? I said, "Yep, sure." Yep. And we go in and we talk about it, and it's and it's a really cool idea, and and we get to okay, well, you know, what's your uh, who's your team? Oh no, it's just me, and I'm going to hire a, a tech company to to do the build. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, how much money do you need to get off the ground? Um, and it's almost always the same story. Yes. It's, it's oh, I need half a million bucks. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> what do you need the half million bucks for? Well, I need 250 grand to pay the, uh, the development company yep. um, to, to build the prototype for me. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. What's the other 250 for? Oh, the other 250 is my salary for the first year. Yeah, oh, no. so they're just covering themselves. <laughs> because, because that's what, um, that's what I'm yeah. earning at the moment at, uh, at you know, the insurance company. And you know, I've got three kids in private school and a mortgage and car payments, uh, uh-huh. and that's what I need to live on. And what do you say to that? Uh, my response is always the same, which is fantastic. So I'm going to own 95% of the business and you're going to be an employee. Uh, and they always go, good. oh, no, 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 no. I thought, I, I thought I'd give up 5 to 10% equity for that. Nice. So exactly where is the risk that you're carrying? Oh, well, I'm leaving my job, but you're not. You're, you're being paid by me. Mm. So, so I'm now paying your salary. I'm now carrying you on my books yes. for, for, to, to give you the chance, for the privilege of giving you the chance to build your own company. And just prov- provide the idea and not actually do anything in it. Exactly, yes. exactly. Mm. And you know, ideas, ideas are great, yeah. but execution is where it's at. Yeah, get it. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think people appreciate that. I think everyone sort of um, doesn't realize that if you're going to jump into a startup or a venture, be prepared to not get any income for a number of years potentially. Yeah. Um, and and look, I'm, I'm not someone. Let me be clear. I'm 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 not yeah. one of those investors that you see on the Shark uh-huh. Tanks of the world that sit there going, yes. "Oh my God, how dare you take thirty grand out of the company? Yes. You know what's wrong with you? Like uh-huh. you know, people need to live. People need to eat." Yes. Um, yes. But it but it has to be reasonable, and if and if you're going to have all the upside of the equity, then you're going to have the the sweat risk of yes. not taking money up front. Okay. And I think yeah, people need to hear that. So yeah, it's, good. it's a good share there. So this this founder that you basically drill this into and just say this is what the reality is. Mm-hmm. Um, next step is build team, or do you are they okay to go and outsource that first build? Are you okay with that model or not really? Um. It sort of depends on, uh, I mean, it depends on the product, like, the, okay. like everything's a little bit different, but yes. it, it depends on, um, also on what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. So, so if they want to go away and through whatever external source or internal source, if it's their own money, go and get a prototype built yes. and then come back and say, look, here's the prototype, here's the first, here's the first version, yeah, the MVP, the, the first customers, the pipeline, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a bit of track record. Yes. Uh, and then you can start having a conversation about, okay, you know, can we help you build out the team? Do you need a team already, et cetera? Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a different conversation. But okay. when, when it's the, I've got a really good, good idea, I haven't done anything yet, I'm by yes. myself, 
mm. to me it's it's just way too risky too risky okay like e- e- even at the later stage if you if they come back by themselves mm-hmm. at, at this stage in my career i would say a condition of investment is that we build out your team okay um like i, w- I wouldn't let them ret- i wouldn't give them money and allow them to remain as a solo person okay and in building out their team would you recommend they get everyone on board or is it they can get a team on board and if, if they put equity into it as well so sweat equity for a lower rate um i don't i don't have a i, I don't really have a strong view um uh, one way or the other i think mm-hmm. I, I mean i like the idea of people being incentivized to to grow with the company mm-hmm. so i'm i'm a i am a believer in sharing the equity around i don't like um companies where you know you end up with a situation where the founder has 90 percent, and then there's you know three devs that have two percent each Yep. Um, because at that point, those devs aren't really um, that motivated to stay. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not much upside, right? Unless yeah, exactly. we sell out for five hundred million dollars or a billion dollars. So. Mm-hmm. We get those offers all the time from people. I started to call them the startup specials mm-hmm. when they approach mm-hmm. us. Yeah, we get an idea, and they're like, "Oh, we'll give you ten percent. You work for free." And just keep in mind, this is going to be like a five hundred million dollar company in two years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no worries. I've, I've done that calculation too. I've got monopoly money at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, is, is that the, the reality is that, uh, and, and you, you know, I, you, you, I've lost count of how many times I had to say this to founders, you know, 90% of companies will fail. That's yes. just the math. You're, you're, you're not a special and precious snowflake. You're, you're part of that 90%. Odds are, even if you do everything right, your company will fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, um, one, one of the stories I love to tell um, is I was um, a seed investor in a, in a American business of a, who was a, a mate of mine from university, uh-huh. um, absolutely brilliant piece of technical software. Um, so for he was um, next generation database uh, technology, mm-hmm. and um, he he was kicking goals le- right right left and center. The technology was amazing. He had his he had the early clients, early revenue. Um, he he raised a couple of million dollars. Um, he then got a term sheet signed with one of the big um, New York funds mm-hmm. um, for sort of a, what at the time was was a big A round, what these days would be a small A round. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it was about six or $7 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was fl- uh, flying to New York to, uh, to finalize the paperwork and pick up the check. Yep. Uh, and while he was in the air, Bear Stearns collapsed. Oh. <laughs> and so he lands in New York um, yep. in, you know, 2008. September yeah. 2008. Great timing. Show, yeah. Shows up at the fund's door. <laughs> says hi. You know, I'm I'm here for yeah. my meeting to uh, to pick up my check so I can yeah. help build my business. Uh-huh. And the uh, the secretary turns around and says, "Yes, yeah, so all the meetings are cancelled. Um, the fund uh-huh. is gone. You know, is, is we're f- freezing up. all new investments uh, for the foreseeable, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, oh, long God. story short, his his business ended up going to the wall um, oh. and and going under um, through absolutely no fault of his own. Um, and that's he, just did, he did absolutely everything right, and he just ran yep. into the buzzsaw of, of market wow. timing. And I've seen so many companies. I mean, yep. that's obviously an extreme example, but of I've course. seen so mm-hmm. many companies that that's happened to. But it's good to give that example because he's got clients. His early stage revenue is actually yeah. there, about to get a six to seven million dollar investment, and then it goes belly up. Yep. So that ninety percent being in that is not that easy to get into that ten percent, is it? Yeah, and it's not out of your own. It's out of your own hands. Yeah, your own fault. Exactly. I mean, I I actually had a a conversation last week with another friend of mine who's who's another American startup. um, Yep. One that I'm I'm not personally invested in. Uh 
Uh-huh. Um, but he, he called me up saying, look, you know, we were three quarters of the way through our B round. Yes. Um, you know, 10 million US. We had mm. eight and a half million committed. Uh-huh. Um, and then COVID hit. And our, uh-huh. our Keystone investor who was in for $3 million has just pulled out. It's pulled out. Great. So, you know, again, can, can you help sort of thing? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so again, this guy's in, in it's a, a shipping uh, uh-huh. technology for the shipping industry. Yes. You know, again, nothing, nothing he could have done. Nothing uh-huh. he can do to, to, to avoid, you know, global pandemics. <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting stuff around timing. So let's dig a bit back into this. So we've got, your, in terms of your first pitch deck, so mm-hmm. on that 50-page pitch deck, talk about the problem. Uh, what is my solution? How big is the market? Mm-hmm. Um, how am I different to everybody else that's mm-hmm. out there? Um, what money do I need? Who's my team? Which you see is you weight that pretty heavily mm-hmm. based on this conversation in terms yep. of your team is. Um, so what am I asking for? Once I get my pitch deck done, where do I go and who do I reach out to to actually start having conversations of investment? Everyone says, talk to your friends and family first. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the options for me? Um, so, so there's a few, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll just jump back for one second um, in, into the pitch deck, just one more point. Yeah, um, sure. When, uh, just, and this is just a, a personal pet peeve, but when you talk about the market size, yes. um, young entrepreneurs out there or, 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 or early stage entrepreneurs out there, uh-huh. do not under any circumstances do the, make the following error. Do, do not say the market size is $100 billion a year. And if I okay. can just get 1% of that, oh, nice. my business will be super <laughs> successful. That, that okay. to me is an automatic, almost an automatic pass as an investor. Okay. Um, because that to me tells me that no one's done the homework as to yeah. uh, as to how you're going to get market share. So that, that's right. just an aside. Okay. Um, yeah. in, in terms of who you talk to, yes. Um, there's obviously angel groups. Um, so you've got some some local ones here in Australia. You've got your your Sydney Angels, your Melbourne Angels. Um, you've got some industry specific angel groups. Um, so an example of one is Energy Lab. Um, okay. which focuses specifically on, on companies around the renewables sector. Mm-hmm. Um, there's incubators, um, okay. so some of which are more generalized, like your, your um, butter factory, yes. um, and, yep. and some of which are more specialized. In fact, in fact so there, there's um, one group called Slingshot, um, uh-huh. who have an interesting model where they partner with a, with a large corporate partner on each cohort. And so each cohort is themed to that corporate partner. So they might do a deal with Coles to sponsor one cohort. And so, so all the companies coming in will be around the um, food tech um, okay. industry. Yeah. That's an interesting model okay. where they get a good look under the hood of some startup ideas. Yeah. And, and so what, yeah. what those guys end up doing is, is they, they give you a small amount of money. Um, uh-huh. And then if you, uh, if you can go and raise more funds outside of that, they will then do matching funding with you. Um, so okay. they'll they'll f- participate in in further rounds. There's obviously university incubators, um, yes. which have a um, a mixed track record of success, mm-hmm. um, but but you know they're a good place to to do some learning. Um, and then there's there's the more sort of prosaic things, which is um, you know jump on LinkedIn and and start searching people out. I get I get a hell of a lot of cold calls uh, on or, LinkedIn, or effectively cold calls on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, okay. you know, I probably get five or six a day. Oh wow! Okay. Um, of, of people just reaching out saying, "Hey, can I connect? I've got an idea," um, uh-huh. you know. And and my my answer generally, and most professional investors, 
um, the answer will be sure send me a deck and, and then I'll let you know if I want to have a conversation mm, that's better than the messages I get on LinkedIn you know it, it's it's one, one thing that I would say um, is don't if someone does ask you for a deck don't get yes. cute um, about saying I don't know but I, I want to pitch you first okay that's so not the hand the deck over you, you, you hand the deck over and, and, and effectively you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get you interested enough, even if it's a teaser deck, even if it's a two-pager, okay. uh, even if you don't want to do a full deck, just, just something that, that lets me know, is, is this worth me spending half an hour of my time talking to you? Okay. Uh, be, because at the end of the day, there's an awful lot of companies reaching out and, and yes. at some point you have to make a, you have to sort of do a triage. You get um, understand that. The yeah. other thing for, that I would say for, for super early stage is forget NDAs forget NDAs yeah. yes I've heard this many a time so explain yeah um, you know NDAs non-disclosure agreements um, yeah. a lot of you get a lot of you know less sophisticated um, uh -huh. entrepreneurs um, who hear about NDAs think they're a great idea and start going oh, I've got this amazing idea for a company if you sign an NDA I'll tell you what it is yeah okay um, any yeah. investor with with half an ounce of experience is gonna mm -hmm. say thanks very much have a good life Okay. Because okay. first of all, in large part, the NDAs aren't that enforceable. But um, even where they are, the problem is, you know, I as an investor, I'm seeing, uh, you know, 30, 40 pitches a month. Yes, um, I'm sure across similar and sectors. And that's exactly ideas. it. There's an enormous yeah. amount of of, yeah. of cross pollination. Of course. And and so the idea, you know, I'm not going to open myself up to the potential for litigation. Mm. Of you know, somebody sends me a an NDA about a cleaning technology. Yes. And then three months later, I go and invest in something else. It's another cleaning technology. And then they come back and say, oh, well, you stole my idea. Yeah, it's, okay. it's just not worth yeah. it. It's a, it's a little bit like the fact that, it, you know, in, in Hollywood, um, you know, you, you can't send a, 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 a script to a studio uh, unsolicited. Uh, they'll just throw it straight in the bin. Yeah, uh, it's, it's sort of the same model. Yeah. Okay, get it. Yeah, it's it's... I think it's the people think they're protected in some way, but in reality, um, if someone's talking to an investor, they're not interested in actioning. They want to invest in people that they believe the team can deliver an idea. If the idea is great, they will want to work with you. Um, I don't. I think people are frightened that people are going to steal their ideas, but in the end, it's all about the execution. An idea, like I said, yeah. is really worth not much. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'd execution. say there's two two things. I, I agree 100% with with what you're saying. Um, mm. And there's two things. One, exactly to your point, that yeah. idea and execution are two very different things. Correct. Um, and you know, I've seen 50 different pitches that are on the same, basically the same idea. Uh -huh. um, the company that is successful is the company that can actually execute on that. Not, of course. Yeah. You know, so ju just having the idea is mm -hmm. is great, but that doesn't mm -hmm. really get you anywhere. Um, the the second, and this is sort of the the soft protection, if you like, for for entrepreneurs, yes. is that this is a small industry, um, uh -huh. and reputations are painstakingly built and easily destroyed for yeah, investors. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if an investor gets uh, a reputation, which is very easy to get, of yes. being someone who you know is a bit shady and rips uh -huh. people off and so on. All you have to do is you, you know you can be an ethical person for for twenty years. You do that once yes. or twice, and the twenty years don't matter. Yeah, and then right. all of a sudden, no one wants to deal with you. Mm. So um, th there is a and, and and I think that's a good thing. Um, yes, but I, I think that that does provide a good amount of protection for. For entrepreneurs, that it's it's not worth it um, to to most serious investors to try to 
to rip off an idea because it's going to end up biting them uh, on the back end. Yeah, it's also probably not, you're not going to have the same passion as that person who's got the idea to try and make it work. Oh, for sure. As for well, sure. so there's... Yeah. That or, or the right expertise, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, so that limitation of them saying, I'm not going to tell you anything because I'm scared you're going to do it, it's not like, thought through properly. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't know how thing. many of these things we've yeah. had to sign for people just so they can talk to us sometimes. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, 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 days it's we too, would do too that. many people have watched yeah. the social network and think that's the way that uh, <laughs> yes. it actually yeah. works, you know. And we're not going to go and take anyone's idea and build it ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and I, I can tell you, I've met the Winklevoss twins and yeah. like they were never going to build Facebook. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we don't have enough time to build our own ideas, let alone yes. try and take someone else's idea yeah, that yes. we don't have any, any yeah. knowledge about in their Correct. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to think about it. We're building. We've got our ideas sitting there to build our own tech. Yeah. They trickle along and 12 months down the track, we've done a bit of it. But yeah, the reality is we're all busy doing our own thing. Exactly. So exactly. Think about that. Yep. Oh, very, very cool. So pitch deck is number one. Mm-hmm. Team is highly weighted within that area. Obviously, the idea has to make some sort of sense as well as the market share. You have to be really clear on what you're going to capture within that market. So some really good tips there. And obviously, you're going to need some market research. Um, you can't just uh, put a pitch deck together in an afternoon off the back of an idea, I would imagine. Yeah, um, you, you know, and again, with, with things around market sizing, mm-hmm. um, the, the more you can show your thought process, the better. Um, it's it's a little bit like when with the you know, the big strategy firms, your your Boston Consultings and your McKinseys and so on, um, they're well known yes. for when they when they have job interviews um, of, of doing what's called a case study, where you know they sit you down as you know you you do the normal job interview and then they sort of turn around and say, All right, can you tell me how many petrol stations there are in America? Okay. Um, and obviously they're not actually wanting you to be able to tell them how many petrol stations are. What yes. they want you to do is sit there and and sort of uh, talk through how you might work that out, uh-huh. uh, and okay. what your thinking is to to try to make it make an estimate. And and they're, they're looking at the thought process. It's a little bit the same with with investors, that um, you 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 know if you come in and you say, you know I'm I'm building a cosmetics brand, um, and it's this very specific uh, twist on it, and it's and uh, it's it's to appeal to this subset of the market and and so on, and then the next slide is the cosmetics industry is a fifty billion dollar a year industry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go well. That's your thinking yes. isn't logical there. You you know you're you're you've already told me that your niche is this little slice of it. So uh-huh. so so go and work out how big that slice is. That niche is yeah. You know because t- telling me you know I make potato chips, um, uh-huh. and the and the, the size of the global supermarket industry is X. Doesn't tell <laughs> doesn't me anything about what the market and potato chips is. No, get it. Yep. I don't think that's yeah common sense there. But yeah. sometimes we can look at and get carried away in numbers. And I think as soon as you do number crunching as a as a venture and a startup, how big this market is, and yeah, that one percent, ten percent of it. Yeah. Well, and I think <laughs> people fall into the trap of of worrying yeah. that um, you know I have to show the biggest possible number. Yes. Um, and 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 look, you, you you it's true. You have to show a big enough number that. Uh-huh. It's interesting for the investors to get involved, but you also have to show them, you know, if, if it is something that is super niche that you can create, you can get a big chunk of, uh-huh. um, that can also be just as interesting as something where you're getting a tiny sliver of um, a bigger pie. Yeah, get it. And sometimes it's easier to get a, um, a bigger chunk of a smaller market than it is to get a, 
a big market and get a, a smaller chunk of it because your niching is a bit easier to actually tune and attract um, the right customer that's yeah. sort of found in our ventures. Yeah. Um, so we've got a venture in um, in pharmacy and we found that putting it there, it could be in retail too, but we haven't chosen to go on there because retail, retail is just another awesome. world. Um, and just focusing in on a niche opens up a lot more doors than you think. Yeah, um, as, as long as the niche yeah. is big enough. Yeah, correct. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. I got pitched a business um, uh-huh. recently, which was a facial rec um, yep. uh, business for the pharmacy industry, for a particular uh-huh. use in the pharmacy industry. Yes. Um, which was great, except then when we, when, you know, I sort of talked him through his actual market size, and we worked out that his actual market size, if he got every single pharmacy in Australia, was about a million five a year. Okay. Um, yep. And I said, well, you know, that can be a really great business for you, and you can you can yes. do really well out of that. It's not investable. Uh-huh. And I suppose the the with, with that market size, mm-hmm. it it goes to a bigger point that um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily understand, or, or, or uh-huh. and and not through no fault of their own. It's just no one's no one sort of explained it. Um, Early stage investors, because of the fact that the, the failure rate for early stage investments is so astronomically high, yes. the return that early stage investors have to look for has to be correspondingly high. I understand. Yeah, risk reward. Yeah. So if it's yeah. like one out of, well, one out of every 10 fail, you need a very big return to cover the other nine that have failed. Exactly. So that, you know, the, rule, the rule of thumb is that um, if you're doing early stage, so sort of <laughs> that seed angel level, um, you've got to be looking at, at uh, you've got to be able to be convinced mm-hmm. that your investment has a 10x um, potential return. for return within three to five years. Okay. So, you know, I see, I see a lot of very solid companies um, that, you know, I would have no objection being part of um, who come in and say, you know, this is what we're doing, this is what we can tap, this is what we can build, um, and, you know, we reckon we're worth you know, $3 million today. Um, and in three years time, we reckon we're going to be making half a million bucks a year. And I go, that's fantastic. Well done. Um, you know, you've built a good little business. You're going to, you're going to, you know, be quite prosperous off that. As an investor, the business isn't going to be worth 30 to 50 million. Therefore, it's not for me. Yeah. Uh, just because it's not, it, it's not big enough. Mm-hmm. And is it, Difficult, like are the smaller opportunities that come across to, to get, get to that level, or is there another sort of investor that will be happy to get into that? Uh, there are other investors that will be happy to get into that. They'll they'll generally want different aspects, uh, or their their structure of investment will be different. So often they'll do debt. Yep. Sometimes they'll say, "I want to buy in as a partner." They'll mm-hmm. generally want a bigger chunk of the business. Yep. Um, but it's it's and and often they'll you know and often for those you want to go and find someone who can really add value and and be a, a genuine partner in the business as opposed yep. to, um, you know, just a, just an investor and an advisor sort of thing. Yes, yeah, so someone that takes responsibility in the business, not just checks up on you and then waits for a sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. And, and, and the other thing I would say just, just overall with, with all um, early stage investors, um, or, or, or sorry, on behalf of the entrepreneur is if if it is at all in your power, um, so if you have any any selectability at all um, with your investors, try to pick investors a who you get along with, um, and b who you think can add some value 
to, to your business beyond just writing you a check today. Yep, so sort of you're vetting the investor as they're vetting you. Exactly, exactly. Because ultimately you're going into some degree of partnership with them um, and you know if, if they're the type of person that's giving you the vibe that they're going to be calling you up every three days saying, you know, why, why have you, um, why is the company logo blue instead of grey, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, do you really want to take their money? Yeah, so that's sort of like the, the little image you, talk, you see that on like Shark, Shark Tank, the people in different industries with different expertise and mm-hmm. then the investor will have to pick if they get a couple options of which one they think is going to be the best fit and bring the most value to the business. Yeah, but, and, and, and I suppose what I'm saying is the entrepreneur should try and do the same. Um, yeah, if, if, yeah, they, so they if, if they can. I mean, if you're in the position of, I desperately need money, there's only one person writing me a check, then <laughs> so be it. But, but if, you, if you have any ability to discriminate, um, you know, do your homework on the investors as much as the investors are doing their homework on you. Yeah, and so would you say that from an investor that, sorry, as an investor, someone looking for an investor, that you should be trying to find someone that can bring in more value or just the money? Like if you get a couple offers, mm-hmm. it's obviously going to be trying to see what the total value of their offer is. Yeah, I, I, ideally. And, and, and the value doesn't necessarily have to be tangible. So, so it's not necessarily um, they can you know, write me a bigger check. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things to think about is do they, are they the type of person that can help me write, raise the next lot of money, yep. whether that's, that's a, through themselves or, or through their networks? Yeah, that's um, a great do point. they have industry expertise they can help me with? Do they have contacts they can help me with? And, mm-hmm. and what is their appetite to be involved? as well yeah. um, because you have some some angel investors who just want to write you a check and you know call me in six you know send me a, a thing every six months telling me how you're going you have other ones you know and i count myself among these um you know i'm fairly activist um mm-hmm. not in a i'm going to come in and tell you how to run your business sort of way but in a yeah. hey i'm at the end of the phone line call me up with anything you need any advice you want um any connections i can make for you uh, because ultimately it's in my interest for, for you to succeed once I've written you a check. Yep. Uh, so if I can help and, and, and just be a, be a sounding board on a regular basis, then, then by all means. It's strange that some investors don't sort of share that personality. Just looking from my perspective, it's if you're putting money into something, you want that to succeed as much as possible, not just play the averages game. So why wouldn't you put in as much as you can? Most of the angels you're dealing with, if they're not institutional, um, they're re- they're only making, you know, a half m- maybe two or three investments a year, um, mm-hmm. if if that many, um, yes. and so uh, you know they should they should be doing more homework mm. as to uh, as to what they're investing in. Yeah, so if you're dropping out the twenty five, how many would how many investments would Artesian be doing annually or in a in a in a fund? Oh, a- across the fund, yeah. you know, over a hundred. Yeah, okay, it's yeah. very different. Yeah, very yeah. different model. Okay. So let's pretend, let's paint a picture that I, um, I have received some early stage funding, some seed. Maybe I've built a prototype. I've got some interest from customers. Potentially I've got a little bit of um, money, a revenue coming in. What's my next stage from an investment perspective? What are my next options to scale this out? Um, so, so you've done sort of that first round of funding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let, let's say for the sake of argument that you're uh, looking to get into that sort of anywhere between 500,000 and 2 mil yes. um, to go to the next stage. Um, so there, mm-hmm. there's a few options. Um, okay. One, the, the most obvious is uh, going back to your initial investors and saying, mm-hmm. you know, hey, this is what we need to do to go to the next level. You know, who, who wants to participate? What's your, what's your capacity to? Okay. Um, and, and none of these, by the way, are mutually exclusive. Like these may all mm. 
attached to, to one another. But yeah, understand. Um, so that that's the first. Um, then obviously you you've got external money. Um, so that can be finding more early stage investors. That can be going to um, your venture funds. Yes. Um, who you know, and finding the right venture funds um, who who fit what you need and what you're doing. Um, and then going and pitching them. There's the family offices, which are a big part of the of that early stage scene, particularly in Melbourne, okay. um, more in Sydney as well, but especially in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, and that's a little bit of a, in, in some ways, a little bit of a secret society of of you know, you have to get in there and it's who you know and and so on. But uh, if you can get in there, that's often a good source of of funds and and growth. Okay, interesting. So the family, um, there family. Investment house, yeah, investment exactly. houses, basically, yeah, exactly. So, so high so net worth, basically, high, yeah, you know, high and ultra high net worth. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you're you're talking, uh, you know, some of the some of the bigger ones would be your Baileys, your mm-hmm. um, your Wiselitzes, um, you know, groups like that, Thorny Group, um, okay. you know, who who are, um, you know, your, your super high net worth pe- people who are worth families that are worth in the hundreds of millions into the billions, yes, and who have investment arms. Okay. Um, so you go in and and you pitch them much in the same way that you pitch a venture fund. Mm-hmm. It's just that their money is all coming from one pot as opposed to a, a series of Multiple institutional sources. investors. Understand? Um, there, there's obviously you know if, if you happen to be in the right um, industry and setup, there's obviously bank financing. Um, yes. But that that's mm-hmm. usually fairly fairly tricky. Challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the one that. Um, Definitely has its pluses and minuses, but it's is something that a lot of people don't uh, know about, which is the public markets. Um, so I've so been in, public markets. Yeah, so so okay. IPOing basically. Yeah, uh, um, that's a whole different thing. So maybe we'll explore that a little bit. Yeah, IPOing. sure. So and, yeah. that, and that's something I've been involved with with a few companies mm-hmm. that have gone down mm-hmm. that road. Um, okay. Where mm-hmm. Australia's unique, uh, Australian markets are unique in that mm-hmm. the cost of listing and the cost of compliance is quite low. Okay. Um, and you have an Australian investment industry that, on the one hand, is fairly uh, suspicious and, and reticent when it comes to private companies, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, quite uh, quite open to experimentation when it comes to public companies. Public. And I, I think that that probably is a relic of the explore, the mining exploration industry. Okay. Where you know you've got all these companies that are listed on the ASX that are mm-hmm. that are you know searching for gold or diamonds or iron mm-hmm. ore or whatever, and basically they're listing on the back of, I I own a piece of land and I'm going to drill some holes in it. Can I have ten million dollars, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, and every three months I need another ten million dollars to drill some yes. more holes. Yes. Um, and and eventually hopefully I'll find something in one find of those something. holes. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the, the mining exploration <laughs> model. Um, okay. As a result, there has been a. An ability for early stage tech businesses to list uh, it's getting slightly harder now um, okay. but it's it's still definitely an option mm-hmm. um, and I've seen companies I mean we, we had one business that we were involved with that went from its first dollar seed funding yes. uh, into a listing in 11 months oh wow that's huge that's uh, and quick. so so they were yeah. able to raise um, about eight million dollars in, in an oh. IPO um, in 11 months. Uh, you know 11 months in Oh, wow. uh, to and, and then they've been able to raise subsequent rounds of capital. So I think all up wow. they've raised probably about um, seventeen or eighteen million dollars well, um, since mm-hmm. listing mm-hmm. Um, and to to help grow the business. Okay, what type what type of business is that? Uh, it's an esports business. 
Okay, good. Oh, nice. Yep, yep, yep. Is that a uh, mogul by any chance? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is, yes. It is, yeah. <laughs> so I've had, had a couple, couple of podcasts, podcasts with guys, uh, Jamie Skeller and oh, yeah. um, Adam mm-hmm. uh, as well, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just chatting a little bit about that. So interesting. Yeah, yeah so so, so I, I, had, um, uh-huh. I was good. a seed investor in, in that business. So yep. okay, that, that didn't go very well for everyone. Yeah, yeah I can all, imagine all given the... Yeah, that's one of the that's a, that's a tick in the current mm-hmm. situation for yourself i would imagine yeah how many investments would you do um annually uh, what, what's where do you sit are you more that two or three potentially uh yeah i'm probably a bit more active than that so i'd, I'd say it's probably around five okay um, yep. but not much more beyond that um, yes and and a large part of that is because uh-huh. because i'm i'm a big believer in in inactive participation yes um there's only so much bandwidth i have to to, to help and, and add value and so mm-hmm. i don't want to invest in a whole bunch of things and then not have time yeah. to to be there as a supporter yeah i understand yeah. that yeah so let's just talk for a couple of minutes on that ipo component um now yeah, ipo obviously, obviously has regulations everything about mm-hmm. that how do you generally advise someone that wants to explore that are they um looking at backing off the back of another company that's already listed are they how do you generally do that so it used to be that it, that exactly to to what you said it used mm-hmm. to be you had a lot of companies doing what were known as as reverse takeovers yes uh, otherwise known as backdoor listings uh-huh. um which, which was taking an existing often largely defunct um yes. listed shell so so like a, yep. a, a dead mining company or something like that and, and generally dead that. mining company yep um mm-hmm. the asx has made has largely closed that avenue okay um in the last couple of years be- because you were getting so many um companies pushing through there Yes. Um, so now, pretty much, what you're looking at is a vanilla, mm-hmm. straight front door IPO. Okay. Um, there are definitely costs involved in doing that. Of course. Um, so the cost, give or take, the cost of, of running an IPO yep. process is about half a million dollars. Okay. Yep. But often, what companies do if they are going down that road is they'll go and raise um, a, a pre-IPO round, um, yep. specifically to fund that process. So raise the so, half a million dollars. Yeah, so fund. they might go and raise a million dollars pre-IPO. Uh-huh. Yes. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and and say, look, half a million dollars of that is for our operating costs over the next six to nine months, and, that, and half a million dollars is to pay for the IPO. Yes. Um, there are when you're looking at the pre-IPO into IPO route, you open up a lot of a lot more avenues for investment in terms of who you can talk to. Um, all of a sudden, the stockbrokers want to talk to you. The mm-hmm. a lot of the institutional funds want to talk to you because mm-hmm. most of them are actually barred from dealing with anything private. Okay. Um, so but as soon as it's public or or, mm-hmm. or quasi public, which is which yes. is a pre IPO, then they can oh. get involved. Interesting. So, as an investor yourself, would you see that as more appealing than a normal private investment, like getting them the pre funding for an IPO and then getting them to an IPO? I mean, it it obviously depends on the business, but there there are definitely yep. upsides um, in that mm-hmm. you're you're talking a liquidity event. Mm-hmm. So yep, yep. you know, if if I can put money in at a, at a into a pre IPO, um, and the rule of thumb with pre IPOs is it's done at a twenty percent discount to the IPO. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And it's usually sort of six months odd before the IPO. So so then you're looking at okay. Um, I've pretty much locked in a twenty percent return on my money in six months. In six, six months, forty percent so um, yeah. annual return. Yeah, plus yeah. Uh, you know whatever the upside of the IPO actually is, if if it's mm. a hot IPO, you know. Yeah. So if, if the IPO is at, um, I mean, you know, Mogul is an example where mm. where 
um, you know, we, we did a pre-IPO round, um, mm -hmm. we, we did the IPO, and then it doubled day one. Oh, wow. So effectively, okay. and, and the pre-IPO yeah. round was done at a cent. Um, uh -huh. So the, and, and it went to, to nearly four cents on day one. So, oh, you wow. know, effectively the, the, yeah. the seed investors made four X in yes. six months. Okay. okay. Yep. So yeah, that's that's a perfect. Very world. lucrative if you get into the right. Uh, that, that's a perfect world, obviously. But yeah, um, yeah. but you know, yeah. and and there are restrictions. The investors can't you know dump out all their shares and things like yes. that. There are some mm -hmm. protections in place, uh -huh. but um, you definitely engage a different group of mm -hmm. um, of investors uh, when you're talking uh, on that front. Now, what type of business would be accessible to that market to an IPO? What how how big would the market have to be? What what are the, some of the tick boxes that I need to consider from starting out? And this is something the channel I want to explore. Yeah. What are some of the key things I need to consider there? I, I think that, uh, I think my, my guess anyway, mm -hmm. and this is just a guess, um, yeah. is that the days of being able to list something that is completely pre-revenue are probably over for a while. Okay. Uh, just because of where the market is right now. Yes. Um, and there has been a pullback largely driven from the US with the, the failures of your WeWorks and, and, yes. and things like that, where people have suddenly mm -hmm. started to go, well, maybe growth, qua growth, is not yes. the be all and end all. Uh -huh. um, you know, you need to show us how you're actually gonna make money. Mm. Um, yeah, it is important. So, so that, that I think is, is changing. Um, it's also a matter of showing, you know, having, having a company where the, the, upside in the market is easily explainable okay um so, you know so one of the one of the challenges that we had is, as example um you know i remember when the when the mogul guys were um trying to raise their money with stockbrokers mm -hmm. is they'd walk into meetings and um they, they'd sit down and they'd say oh it's you know this is esports it's gaming etc and you'd have 50 year old stock you know stockbrokers who turn around and say well why do i care about video games that's what pimply teenagers play when they can't get a date on a Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. And so you have to have something that um, ultimately the narrative is easy to, to translate. So if you have, mm -hmm. if you, you could have the absolutely best piece of software that is um, enabling the, you know, better uh, development of widgets in the, in the manufacturing industry. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that goes over the head of ninety percent of of investors, yes. the public markets aren't where you want to be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it has to be clear, understandable to mm -hmm. be going into a public market. Because mm -hmm. yeah, mass people have to just general information. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and and the stockbrokers themselves have True. have to be able to understand it. Yeah. Um, and they're uh, not going to invest. You know, again, they get uh, they see thirty floats and potential floats a day. Yes. Um, so, so they're not going to invest hours and hours and hours trying to understand exactly what you do uh, if you yeah, can't make it clear. Same logic okay. around clarity is very important by the sound of this conversation. Mm -hmm. well, if you're going to be building a business, it's pretty clear on a lot of things before you step into it. So, and the investors are going to see that there is clarity and research behind this, and it does make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now, we're we're aware of the time, Hamish, so we probably have to get you off in a minute or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, just if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they reach out? And can they find any more information or get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So the the best way, you know, if, if you want to reach out, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, um, so that that's easy enough. Hamish Hughes on LinkedIn. Um, my email is Hamish H A M I S H at FairhavenAdvisors.com.au. Mm -hmm. um, you can you can always send me an email there, um, and um, 
you know, just just reach out, and I'm always happy to uh, to have a chat with people, grab a coffee, um, you know, once the world um, goes back to normal. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and we'll um, drop and some just, of those links when we yeah, yeah, we'll drop and, and just talk people well. through, yeah. um, you know, what their options are and and whether whether it's something I can be of help with. And just right. quickly on that, um, before you head off, mm-hmm. we are talking in the moment of COVID nineteen and everyone in lockdown. What are you? What's your long term thinking in terms of investment and what's happening in the world? Will it take a little while for people to pick back up? Six, twelve months. What are you thinking? The impact that this could be, or just on investment houses slowing down what they're putting into um, startups and tech businesses. I, I think it is going to slow things down quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already seeing it. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, I'm I'm a believer that that the economic pain from this is going to be quite a lot bigger than um, uh-huh. most governments are willing to admit. Okay. Um, the certainly for right now the the um, industry is for, er, for early stage stuff has slowed mm. to a crawl. Okay. Um, and I think it'll it'll take a while uh, because yep. because okay. at the end of the day, when you when you're an early stage investor, um, mm. and you're writing, you know, ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollar checks. Uh-huh. Um, most of which are never going to come back. Yes. <laughs> you, you have to have the ready capital to do that. And of there's going to be an awful yep. lot of people who in the flush times were, were going, oh, I'll have a dabble and, and I'll set aside a couple of hundred K to do that, who yes. after the last three months and after you know the next 12 months are going to uh-huh. say, well, actually, I need that hundred K for everything uh-huh. else. So yes. I'm going to pull, pull back from that market for a while. Yeah, they won't have the runway available to them. Yeah. yeah so I, I think it, I think the the end result for for the exchange industry is there's going to be less money. Certainly, there's going to be a lot less money for the back of the envelope mm-hmm. um, ideas. Yes. Um, that you know, the people are going to require more proof point, more work, more bootstrapping. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you're going to have to you know, as an invest as a uh, investee, you're going to have to show up with some version of a product rather than I have a concept for a product, give me money and I'll go build it. As okay. as an example. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, come come with some letters of intent with potential clients. Come with you know some some degree of proof of traction, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to see that adjustment in valuations as well. That, that valuations are going to go down um, because yep. there's going to be less money uh, being chased by more deals rather than the other way. I think I've, re- I've already seen that from the U.S. markets. What I've seen, yeah, the valuations have come down heaps. Yeah, and and you know it doesn't doesn't help that. You know, SoftBank announced yesterday they're they're writing off twenty billion dollars out of their fund um, based on the losses of you know three or four of their flagship investments, including WeWork. Yep. Yep. Uh, nice. So, Very nice. So, <laughs> that doesn't help um, anyone. So, so yeah. you know, yeah. uh, they they can go and explain to the Saudi royal family where where their where their money's just gone. <laughs> but uh, wow. But you know, that's that's uh, you're going to see that a lot, and and that's the boom and bust cycle of of oh. this industry is. Yep. When, when you have the good economic times and cheap money, yes, um, you 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 get valuation inflation. The one uh-huh. good thing is because you're going to see, I, I think there's going to be pain for the next twelve months. Yes, um, I think beyond that, you may actually see some acceleration back to the good side, because okay. once things do sort of reach a uh, a flattening at the bottom, uh-huh. um, there's going to be a, you know, if we thought that there was a lot of cheap money around after two thousand eight. Yes. Um, it, it's it's, it's going to look like peanuts compared to what there's going to be after 2020. So, and yeah. so all that money is going to be looking for a home, be looking for yield, be looking for places uh-huh. to be put. Yes. Um, and so I think in, in you know, 2022, 2021, 2022 and beyond, I think there's going to be really good um, opportunity to, to raise mm-hmm. capital. 
So uh, on that note, I would say maybe look at starting to, if you're in the middle of an idea or a concept, maybe looking putting some bootstrapped hours into that, uh, getting prepped um, over the next year, yeah. 12, 18 months, to actually look at that next stage of investment. That, that's, exact, that's exactly what I'd say. You know, you yeah. know, if, if, if at all possible, don't try and uh-huh. be raising money now. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you know, be, be ready to come out of the gate firing uh-huh. when, when, uh, when things come up. I mean, I'm... I'm personally doing that with a couple of ideas I have in incubation at the moment. Okay. So, yeah, uh, where, where I'm, I'm sort of doing some some work on them, uh, on the back burner, um, mm-hmm. and and doing whatever I can that doesn't require funds while I'm yes. stuck at home. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good advice for everybody. Yeah. Hamish, really appreciate you coming on to the Ready Podcast, sharing your experience and um, some areas that people can look into just to consider when they, what they need to have ready for funding and what are the options out there. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. And as I say, if, if anyone, any of your listeners want to reach out and um, you know, and ask any other questions or, or have a chat, I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to, to share whatever I've learned over the years. Yeah, beautiful, Hamish. Thanks no a lot. Thanks, Hamish. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers, mate.